Thanks for joining us on Joy Church Podcasts. Our Sunday services are held at 1030 a.m. at 4120 Highway 50A in Fernley, Nevada. To stay up to date with what's going on at Joy Church, check out our website at www.joychurch.life. The following message is presented by our senior leader, John Poundstone. Good morning, everyone. Can I see slide one, please? We've been talking a little bit about beauty. Last week, I brought this message. It's all about the beauty of Christ, our Creator. The purpose of our gatherings together is to assemble as a body, to knit together more deeply, to celebrate God's goodness and His victories, that we are victorious, and to and to become, become disciples. It's all about helping the Holy Spirit make disciples. God loves his fans. He works with his followers. So we're trying to build, trying to help the Holy Spirit help people yield, surrender, and become deeper disciples. So today we will do the same thing that we do every week, but in a different way. Get used to different. We will worship. I will do my best to help the Holy Spirit impart something that hopefully can be even life-changing. And then we'll have some tabletop discussion. Last week in bringing you the beauty of the Creator, I, I hoped that it opened up doors of hunger, doors of curiosity. The beauty of Christ creates hunger for Him. I mentioned last week that over my life, I found myself at times attracted to Christ. It's very attractive. Would you agree? I found myself then sometimes when I got an aha or experienced something or saw something, I found myself captivated by Christ. Just, whoa. And enough experiences along that line and time in the Word and so forth, gradually I became utterly captured by Christ. So I went from attracted to captivated to captured. So much of what we do is less a matter of will or choices than more a matter of we're compelled to. Just that's who we are, not what we do. Does that make sense? Great. So attracts, he, he attracts, he captivates, he captures. I invite you to go listen to the recording on joychurch.life or on the Spotify podcast. I want to try to help the Holy Spirit set that tone this morning. So I'd like to play two videos back to back. And the whole purpose of that is to kind of bring back or restore this, what you see on your screen, to become attracted to, to become captivated by, to speak truth, to impart truth, and to perhaps find yourself being drawn in by his majesty, his glory, his wondrousness. That isn't even a word. It ought to be. Can we, can we yield to the Spirit in such a way that we go deeper into him, his character, his nature, his love? So it's less participatory this morning than it is receive. Can we do that? All right, let's, Holy Spirit, thank you that you are in our midst. Thank you that you are within us.
Thank you that you love us and you love nothing more than to reveal Jesus the Christ, to better acquaint us with him, then to better reveal him, then to become utterly captured by him. May that happen over the course of the next 10 minutes. Thank you, Jesus. You could spend the rest of your life plumbing the depths of the book of John. You really could. It is thought by many that he was near 90 years old when he wrote that book at the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It is thought by many that it was not the first letter that the uh, John the Revelator, John the Disciple, John the Apostle wrote. It is thought it may be close to, if not the last one he wrote. Looking back on his arc of life, his years of experience as John the Beloved, who knew Jesus like no other. And in the very first chapter of the book of John, we focused on this, we centered on this last week. He says, verse 14, he says that, and the word became flesh. The word there is logos, and the logos became flesh. And what that means is the living expression. And the living expression, you see, the word as a person, became flesh and dwelled among us, inhabited the earth with us, and we beheld him full of mercy and truth. So I, I'm just going to propose this, not in the Bible, I'm going to propose that as John looked back on the arc of his entire life and all of those events, that it all started with beholding him and his beauty and letting it capture you, letting it capture us. There's nothing about Jesus that isn't beautiful. Yet the Bible tells us in Isaiah chapter 53 that he was very plain and not, not beautiful at all culturally. He's not someone that would turn heads in his culture or any other. You see, his beauty was of heaven of the Father. And it was impossible. He was so full of the glory of God. It was impossible not to behold. May we become a people so attracted by his allure becomes undeniable. Have you ever heard the old expression, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. There's a lot of truth in that, isn't there? You see, there um, in in the current culture, I'm not probably not thought of as very beautiful because, well, I'm old, and my temples are getting white. You know what else? I actually, where I never used to have uh, a spare tire out here up front, I do now. And whereas I used to have uh, aspects and attributes of my physique that our culture finds attractive, they suddenly have migrated south and. Um, not just for the winter. And um, because of my age, I'm not attracted because I also have become quite irrelevant and um, to, 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 much of, to much of the culture. But if I moved to other parts of the world, this would be extremely attractive. And I could go on and on and on and on. Speaking to women, just briefly, I get to I get to be around women a lot 
who know a lot about physical appearance, and I think it's wonderful. And um, there, there's. Have you ever in your own? Have you ever beheld cosmetics that you thought were wow? That's well done. That's beautiful. That woman has really. And have you ever beheld cosmetics in our current culture that were like, whoa, what is up with that look? Yeah, sure. And yet, so each of those in your own eyes, no matter who you are, is classed as beauty or unbeauty. Is that true? And yet, if we move to an Amish or a Hutterite colony or other really fundamentalist cultures, any makeup whatsoever would be hideously ugly. Am I making sense? Okay, so I could go on and on and on about such examples about beauty being in the eye of the beholder. And and I started out with beholding Christ, right? Christ is our creator. Everything Christ does. Beauty is Christ, is beauty, is Christ, is beauty, is Christ. They're inseparable. They are one and the same, and everything he does is from the Father, directed by the Holy Spirit, and it is beauty. That's the creator. This morning I want to talk about the created. The created. Beauty part two, created. This morning. And my first part of this last, this just the last few minutes has been fairly radical in nature, but I could go way more radical than this, about our Creator and His beauty. And this morning, I'm going to bring some rather radical news to you and some rather radical truth. My prayer and my hope and Holy Spirit help us to receive it, to discern it, to filter it through you, and to receive the treasure that is in Scripture. That's absolute, total truth. Let's start here. I'll quote Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. In Jesus was created the universe of things, both in the heavenly realm and on earth. All that is seen and all that is unseen, every seat of power, realm of government, every principality, all authority, it all exists through him and for his purpose. Anything that was created in the earth, he created. He never isn't beauty. Now, I have a question. Would you agree with this statement? Things tend to work out well for those who don't align with God's truth. The statement was, would you agree with things, the statement, things tend to work out well for those who don't align with God's truth. And work out well, long term. Okay. Okay. Let's turn that statement around. Would you agree with this statement? Things tend to work out well for those who agree and align with God's truth. Okay. That was a setup. I totally have you now. I have sucked you in. What does God say 
what is his truth as to what is the most beautiful of all his craftsmanship? What's the greatest creation he ever actually said was, oh, this is good? You and me. That's, that's the ultimate, the epitome of his creation. I'd like to go to the next slide, and let's just look at some quotes. I, I'd like to have, help you hear from other people than me. And these are very credible sources. I'm going to say them aloud for the purposes of the recording. Beauty is not democratic. It does not depend upon what culture you're in or who you're around. She reveals herself more to the few than to the many. And the first, I will tell you right now, the first thing is it's only the few who actually at all times are looking for beauty. Most of us are trying to protect ourselves and avoid ugly. If you see any beauty in Christ and say, I, I desire to have that, C.G. Wigram says that God will work it in you. Since love grows within you, so beauty grows. For love is the beauty of the soul. Augustine's pretty credible. Do not grudge the hand that is molding the still too shapeless image within you. It is growing more beautiful, though you see it not. And every touch of temptation may add to its perfection. That's basically 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. What if that's you? What if that's me? The light of God's love shined within us when he sent his matchless son into the world so that we might live through him. This is love. God loved us long before we loved him. It was his love, not ours. He proved it by sending his son to be the pleasing sacrificial offering to take away our sins and to find and to restore beauty. 1 John 4.19 Last week we focused on two Bible verses all about the beauty of Christ, our Creator. This week we'll focus on two Bible verses that point to His created. In fact, again, His highest, by far most beautiful creation, you. Fact, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Truth incontrovertibly, undeniably, inarguably, not able to be disputed. Truth is, beauty is in you. Beauty is you. We'll start with Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. May we see the next slide, please? I looked this up in several study Bibles, and without exception, Certain parts of this verse were emphasized. You know, in the study Bibles, how it has margin notes and then it has footnotes, right? And you go, we'll see what this is really saying. So, in the King James, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. The NIV puts it this way, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to, good, to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We have become his poetry 
a recreated people that will fulfill the destiny he has given each of us, for we are joined to Jesus, the Anointed One. Even before we were born, God planned in advance our destiny and the good works we would do to fulfill it. Every study Bible I looked at, and there were quite a few, emphasized those words in bold. Ain't nothing wrong with good works. Would you agree? Sure, of course. It is just that we tend to miss the structure of the actual language. We skip over the all-important prepositional phrase, which carries massively huge, earth-shaking truth that we in Western society and contemporary culture too easily zoom past. Why? Why do we do that? Because it doesn't make sense. It just seems too good to be true. Couldn't be true about me. It seems to defy our call in the church to be humble, to, to show humility. It seems to lead, it seems to emphasize ego and self-glorification, self-promotion. And yet, here's what that Bible verse actually says. May we see the next slide, please, Debbie. It's exact same verse, exact same translations, but with the emphasis in the right place. Primary is that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Primary is, in the NIV, we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus. Primary is that we have become his poetry, recreated, then joined to Jesus, the Anointed One. Primary is beauty. Primary is the amazing, earth-shattering truth that in the eyes of the only beholder that matters, you're beautiful. In Christ, all of the beauty of the universe can basically be found in you and me. Now, don't take my word for it. Go read these verses for yourself. And I put some other verses down there that kind of back it up. Go look at those two in context. You don't have to take my word for it. Take a picture of that slide. Also, this slide will be posted on the website during the uh, you know, after the recording is up there. Truth. Truth versus fact. Fact is, in a lot of people's eyes, I am not too beautiful. Fact is, in God's eyes, I am looking out at absolute sheer beauty. I see it through your eyes. I see it in your souls. What do we do instead as culture? What do we do instead as normal human beings? That's the next slide. Oh, I said that wrong. Somewhere, oh no, I didn't. We tend to say, life teaches us, oh my gosh, see me as, a, as I want you to see me. The second that somebody shows their posture, you begin to make judgments about them. You begin to behold them in a different way. This posture of a person walking into church, and for the recording, I'm slumping and walking like a lot of people do, coming into church. And that's not bad because that come to church as is because with any with any hope, you're going to be walking out the absolute opposite, right? And if I'm talking to somebody, or I'm I'm in a job interview, and I'm I'm looking like I'm kind of looking like this, and the interviewer's where that clock is behind me. If I'm looking like this, that posture says something, doesn't it? And on and on and on. Your nonverbals, your clothing style, your hairstyle, my hairstyle. Again, cosmetics, 
piercings are a statement of some kind. I'm not judging or criticizing. I kind of wish I wasn't sold. I might go get one. Or seven. Tattoos. I've always wanted a tattoo since I was a young, young boy, but I grew up in a family and a home and a culture where, mm-mm. Now I'm like, well, everybody's got tattoos. Why would I want one? <laughs> Scarification is really popular. Branding irons are burning and scarring and so forth because it makes a statement. It says something about who I am and what I believe. Who I run with. I got in a lot of trouble in high school because I was one of the, quote, good kids, but I ran with all the bad kids. And my guidance counselors would tell me, you're confusing people and it's a mess and, you, you know, you got to straighten up and run with the right kids and all this. And I'm like, no, I don't have to. What about selfie culture? We're, what, why do we do that? We're trying to present ourselves, aren't we? Aren't we trying to say something? Please perceive me in this manner, right? What about... Not you, nobody in this room, but what about all those people who have those social media personas, how good my relationship is, how strong my marriage is, how much I love my spouse, how awesome my life is, how, how wonderful I have all of these beautiful implements and toys and house and all of those kinds of things. And look at me, look at me, look at me and how good things are, right? Because don't we want to be loved and accepted and thought highly of and... Yeah, of course we do. But you see, every outward behavior is just expression of inward needs. I need to I need to be protected. There are people in this room and who will hear this message who absolutely have learned that life is not safe. The universe is not safe. Uh, family settings are not safe. Dating, marriage, School hallways are not safe. They've learned that the hard way. And so one of the reasons we look like we put, we put out this aura that we do is to be protected, to be left alone. I spent much of my life just telling the world in every way I could, leave me alone. To, or instead to be noticed, to be desired, to not be seen at all, to disappear into the woodwork to be seen as worthy, to be seen as beautiful, to be seen at all, to influence the labels you put on me. It boils down to this. In ways large and small, you created the you your table mates and I are looking at right now. You had a lot of help from your family of origin, your many influences, your situations, your life's circumstances, but you, I'll ask it instead of say it, but are you being that work of art, that masterpiece, that poem that Jesus created in the first place? Are you like most people by far who don't fully know who that even is? What if you could change that? What if you could literally wake up tomorrow morning on a whole new quest? I have phenomenal news. Not just good news. Phenomenal. You see, your creator handled that, too. So, Mr. and Mrs. Created, Miss or Miss Created, M-I-S-S. Let's take a look at this next slide. Turns out you're not only a work of art, you're a work of art 
completely created anew. King James, hang with me. There's a lot of old language in this one. Wherever henceforth know ye, know we, no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, now, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new create creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I'll do a little better with more modern language. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. So from now on, to the best of my ability, I will evaluate people merely, I will refuse to evaluate people merely by their outward appearances. For that's how we once viewed the Anointed One, but no longer do we see him with limited human insight. Now, if anyone is enfolded into Christ, he has become an entirely new person. All that is related to the old order has vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and new. So no matter how you look, and no matter how it clashes with what I think is a good look or socially appropriate behavior, I will do my best with the help of the Holy Spirit to refuse to look at you in that manner. And that is part of the call of the church. We are each and all through the power of the Holy Spirit, to look at every person we ever encounter anywhere as either enfolded into Christ or as someone who God created as as a once-in-all-history event with beauty, no matter how hard it is to find. Galatians 2.20, my old identity has been co-crucified with Christ and no longer lives, and now the essence of this new life is no longer mine, for the Anointed One lives his life through me. We live in union as one. My new life is empowered by the faith of the Son of God who loves me so much that he gave himself for me, dispensing his life into mine. That's true for you. My prayer this morning is that some part of this has resonated with you. My prayer this morning is that the Holy Spirit has somehow put a bug in you, a bot in you, a divine bot that bugs you to chase this more, to find out what he's really like and what he really thinks of you, to live, to find what I hear people saying all the time, oh, he's so cool, she's so cool, she, he, she's living their personal truth. Well. I'm going to suggest to you that when I, to the extent I live my personal truth is the extent to which I say, God, go ahead, hop off the throne. I got this. My desires, wants, needs, agenda, priorities, that's my personal truth. And I know I'm old. I know I'm overweight. I know all my, doesn't matter. So I look at myself in the mirror and I go, ooh, what out? Ooh, where? Uh. I go home from preaching every Sunday, and you can ask my wife. It's like, man, my self-image changes. For a, anywhere from two hours to what, thirty-six or days? Yeah. So there's self-esteem. I don't think we get enough self-esteem in church. It's just that it's self in Christ esteem. 
Who am I in Christ? Who does Christ say I am? And fold it into him. What do I look like? You see, because beauty is in the eye of the beholder. He's beholding me. He thinks I'm beautiful because he made me. He wrote a poem before the foundations of the earth, and he put my name on it, and then he manifested me. A lot of help from my mom. That's no less true for you. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Which beholder are you listening to? Is it yourself? Is it your culture? Is it social media? Is it the devil himself? Where'd those thoughts come from? Who is beholding you? And who, who are you allowing to behold to determine your beauty? Debbie, may we see slide eight, please? And the next one. Believe truth, pursue truth, we must. What is the essential difference between the Christian and the not-a-Christian, between the spiritual beauty and the physical and moral beauty? It is the distinction between the organic and the inorganic. Physical beauty is the product of man's opinions. Moral beauty, beauty is the product of the natural man. Spiritual beauty arises of the spiritual man and out of the spiritual man. From this moment forward, will you cooperate with Holy Spirit to let him tell you more and more and more about who you are in spirit, the recreated person enfolded in Christ? And will you begin to believe that more and more? C.S. Lewis said, it was when I was happiest that I longed the most. The sweetest thing in all my life has been the longing to find the place where all the beauty came from. We are facets of the prism that is Christ's body. May we shine and transform eternally, augmenting the spectrum of God's glory with splendors ever anew. I'm looking out at facets, faces on the prism that is God's beauty, God's glory, which is Christ's body. So now we're going to head into table time. And please know, I will be pushing you. I will be pushing your comfort zone. I will make you probably be a little bit uncomfortable. I only do so in my role as an agent, an agent of change, of growth, of kingdom living, and most importantly, an agent of Holy Spirit. It is God who most clearly and dearly desires us to become. We're so busy be being human doings, and yet we look at the Bible and it clearly says your whole job is to become a human becoming. The more you yield to me and the closer you are to me, the more that all your doings naturally flow with my power and authority. That's what Ephesians 2.10 says. God's closeness and reward for the born-again Christ follower is never based on works, never based on performance, never based on looks, never based on appearance. Divine intimacy, divine reward, fulfillment beyond your capacity to imagine it, joy unspeakable, peace unshakable, are found through yielding to the loving God who designed you in the first place. He still is the great I am. 
Here's the first uncomfortable thing before we head into table time. Say this with me. I am a work crafted by God. I am beautiful in His sight. I am who God says I am. Last one. I am who I am says I am. Okay, next slide. And I got here actually early. We have a full half hour to discuss these things and complete an exercise. (laughs) And I think that's awesome. So let's gang up at tables and make sure that we don't have, you know, single people or two or three. Let's, we'll move tables. Thanks again for joining us on Joy Church Podcasts. We want to personally invite you to our Sunday services at 1030 a.m. held at 4120 Highway 50A in Fernley, Nevada. To find out more about the Joy Life, be sure to visit www.joychurch.life. See you Sunday.